0: Hi, I'm Jeannie Becker. Welcome to Beyond Style Matters. I've spent decades working in fashion's trenches, seen the best and the worst of human style, and had the opportunity to get up close and personal with some of the world's most intriguing characters. What I've learned about truly great style is that it goes far beyond what we wear. It's about the way we move through the world. On this episode, I talk to the lovable and legendary American designer, Betsy Johnson. She's the personification of effervescence, a bright and bubbly spirit who's cartwheeled her way through the thorny world of fashion since the 60s, spreading joy and upbeat attitude like any good cheerleader would. Betsy Johnson has spoken to generations of women through her sweet and girly fashions and accessories, and these days, at the wondrous age of 78, is as energetic and engaged as she was as a young dance lover growing up in Connecticut. Betsy's foray into fashion began when she entered, and won, a Mademoiselle magazine guest editor contest. From the minute she arrived in New York, she plugged into what would be her eventual calling as a pop culture fashion icon. She got a gig as the in-house designer for Paraphernalia, the legendary boutique and clothing line that catered to the youthquake movement of the mid-60s. Betsy soon found herself hanging out with the likes of Andy Warhol, the Velvet Underground, Lou Reed, and Edie Sedgwick, who became her house model. At the vanguard of the art music fashion revolution from the start, Betsy built her playful American fashion house into one of the world's most beloved brands over the years. She came out with a memoir entitled Betsy earlier this year, but that certainly doesn't mean that this proud breast cancer survivor and thrice-married dynamo has any plans to stop going anytime soon. When I caught up with Betsy, she was atop her trailer deck overlooking the Pacific Coast Highway. Welcome to this episode of Beyond Uh, Style Matters. Over the moon to have you on the other end of this line. And I can see you on my computer screen. And boy, you're gorgeous. Oh, God, so are you, Jeannie. We'll have to talk about what I
1: did. I don't think you did anything. But anyway, I I mean, I hardly know how to operate my cell phone. The idea, though, after not being able to see each other, plus we lost touch with each other the last seven or eight years because I moved and la, 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 la. Isn't it great to be
0: able to see each other? What a great blessing this technology is, for sure. After all we've seen and been through and the, the craziness of the last few decades uh, and to have sort of found ourselves in this world of high tech. But Betsy, you are forever young. I mean, you really have always been able to tap into that inner girl. And I think that's been the inspiration for all the beautiful, fun things that you've brought us, you know, as a fashion designer, you always uh, just celebrated. You know the girl within. You know,
1: I never liked the idea of getting older, and I remember in the mid seventies when my career was over and the three-piece working woman's wardrobe happened, and I was really depressed—not real, but you know, I mean, I thought fashion was going some Donna Karen, Calvin Klein, wonderful to a wonderful place, and I was kind of. I think by that time, we probably had 10 stores, 15 stores. Actually, I think I realized when I was about 25, when I got to New York and I started working, and my very first job, paraphernalia, in 1965, I just kind of, I didn't freeze myself. But I did, I did want to keep to young people. Who doesn't feel their best when they're feeling young? I know it's, it's uh, a, I'm beautiful at any age. You know, let's talk about 78-year-olds and how beautiful they are and la-la-la. I I never lost my dancing costume days and my thrill of cheerleading and my dance recitals. And most of all, Jeannie, what I miss in terms of the work gig are my runway shows. And runway show day, to me, twice a year was... I'm here to do this. This is Aww. my gig. I'm never more happy than when it's runway time and show time. And
0: Another new thing that you're doing is that you're uh, you're creating this um, plus size line for that big, beautiful is, women. You know,
1: I used to be much heavier. People don't remember that, but I do. <laughs> I don't remember. <laughs> remember that. I never thought I'd fit through a door again. You know, they say once you're heavy... You always believe that you're heavy. I'm like 108. I'm thinner than I've been in my whole life, except when I was born. (laughs) I'm sure I gained 50 pounds the first month. But I just, I've always loved a full tilt range of bodies on my runway. And remember the prenup show where I had, I had every kind of straight, gay, homosexual, a you know all those things yeah, yeah. <laughs> all these kids and people on the runway i've had like jean paul gaultier i've always loved i had older people younger people kids husbands ex-husbands so i've tried to give the skinny runway model gig a break and support more body types and more more women, different kinds of women. I, I like to feel that I've been behind different causes as well. Speaking of breast cancer coming up, I got my scars gone away so completely. But I had, you know, the full open, not heart transplant, what's it called? Open heart surgery. Mm-hmm where it was a case of cut and paste, you know, fix this, fix that. I swear they gave me a brand new heart because I do feel like 10 years old.
0: But a breast cancer so, survivor too, uh, you know, to your yes. point. Some people and may not
1: know about The uh, uh, so breast cancer I'll kick in big time this month on my personal Instagram, the Steve Madden, who bought me years ago, um, Instagram. And I really like to pump the breast cancer because... My customers are girls, pretty much. Mm -hmm.
0: You may not know this, but you were on the very Second episode of fashion television. We did the first episode, which was a pilot, and that was mostly like some fashion videos. It wasn't very good. But when we decided to get really great with the show, when we got the green light for the second episode, we came to New York, 1985. But there I was in your studio in 1985. Madonna had just come out with uh, "Like a Virgin," I think, and I asked you. What's Uh, your idea of like the most fabulous woman style icon that we have? And you went, Madonna, because she's a true blue girl. I'll never forget you. I still, I I wish, I said hi
1: to her uh, uh, from afar at one point. But now that you're bringing this up, I still believe Madonna has been the biggie. I think Lady Gaga and Cyndi Lauper and all the other women in that ilk are beyond Little Miracles, but Madonna, don't you think? And let her have a break now and lay way back. I don't care what she's wearing or what she looks like now, and I know she still looks beautiful. So, good bones. She led that decade from the time we opened in 78, on my birthday, did you know that my first fashion show was, it just happened to fall during fashion week for holiday? And everyone's like, don't open during the holiday season. It's a kiss of death. And Giorgio St. Angelo says, Betsy, don't listen to any of it, go full speed ahead with what you believe in and open. And I have pictures of me and Giorgio at my first show, which was... How old were you? I won that Mademoiselle thing when I graduated from college, so 64. So what was I, 23? A baby. How old when you graduate college? 22, 23. Yeah,
0: early 20s. And I worked
1: Mademoiselle for a year. And then I went to see the conceptualizer of paraphernalia, who was opening this boutique on Madison Avenue, a very of the moment, Twiggy, Julie Christie, London, very like on it time. I had my first design job where I could do anything I wanted, as long as it's old. That's what the kids, when I talked to them in college, they don't want to hear that part. <laughs> I said, you know, do it, but make sure you wear it. Somebody in your neighborhood wear it. You know, you got to sell. So, and then they put my name in the label. I mean, I'm a baby and I, I knew how to cut and sew. I'm telling you my history. You know, I always could make clothes. I, I knew how to, So, like, crazy because I copied my dancing costumes for my dolls that my mom made for me. So, la, la, la. So, I had a great five years of paraphernalia. Then along came, remember, the junior market? Alley Cat, the early 70s, the Carpenters, the, I don't know. That job lasted five years. And then everybody grew up. And I must have been, I had, I had Lulu at 33. So, and I was freelancing because I remember after Alley Cat was over, I didn't give up, but people weren't dressing the way that my clothes looked. They weren't, they didn't look like that. And Chantal and I, my dear friend and partner still, I just talked to her on the phone. Anyway, we found out that there were girls that did not grow up Mm -hmm. into their Calvin Klein three-piece suit. Or you know that Jack, the working woman's wardrobe? That's what it was. It was a great thing to help women understand how powerful they can be through the way they look and dress.
0: You went. You decided to go for a different market because there were those girls that didn't want to wear those working girl suits. Well, I'm doing
1: freelance. I did Capizio shoes. I know shoes. I did um, a children's wear collection. I love doing the kids wear. Mm-hmm. I did um, lingerie. I did sportswear and dresses over in Hong Kong for a big yeah. company. Um, and then, you know, I really knew it was time to stop that kind of nowhereness. in the middle of designing and working. There was no idea behind it, no life behind it. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, my friends and me, all us downtowners below Canal Street, we, we weren't even just below 14th Street, we were below Canal Street, living in 3,000 square foot lofts for $200. So anyway, CBGBs. The Mud Club hadn't opened yet, but I found out that there were a lot, a lot of girls were still wearing my clothes. Patty Smith was still wearing my Julie Christie dress. And when the B-52s came out on stage and they were in lime green, you know, the guy, Rock Lobster, with the tube around his middle, he was in a lime green Hollywood ledge Spandex bathing suit.
0: <laughs> that was it for me. When I started doing a show in 1979 called. That's when I opened, but I had no camera people at my show. But I, I no, but, but I, at know. those, at, in those days, it was a, I was just doing a music show. I wasn't even covering fashion until the mid 80s. But oh. I had some of your clothes from trips that I had taken to New York. Like uh, I had this fabulous leopard strapless jumpsuit that, you know, you did the, the prints that you did, all those lizardy prints, a snakeskin, which is like so totally happening right now. You did, and the prints with the cherries and the. I used to buy documentary flowers from like
1: 1900, 1890. I mean, between the, the
0: flowers were my thing because I always. Right. Put a girl in a flower garden and she looks beautiful. Right. The silk flowers that adorned everything. Oh, flowers and then
1: the rock and roll shit, which was the life I was living. Flowers all around me to make me feel really good and happy. And punk, rock and roll, whatever music gig we were in. Was it a Bowie leading on to Sid Vicious, B 50, but that mid 80s? Um, I don't know. Now we call it pretty and punk. But I did discover that I'm schizophrenic in that. I like the flowers, but I also like the edgy skulls and the tattoo prints that it's kind of like being an uptown downtown girl
0: absolutely that was magic that you were emblematic of but you always had a very holistic approach to fashion because like you say the music that inspired you so much I mean art was a big thing I mean you hung out with Andy Warhol and all those yeah and I still do you know my best boyfriend
1: male friend Who's out here? And we keep saying how we got to connect. Is my first husband John Cale, who was the Velvet the Underground player of the Velvet Underground.
0: But also getting back to like your influence as a style icon. You know, my daughters think you're like the bee's knees. I mean, they're in their early thirties now, but all through their their young adolescence, you know, their teens or late teens through the twi- you know. You're such a goddess to that generation, too. That's what's so incredible about it, to see someone's sensibility just really transcend the generations. So, and I guess, in a sense, that's... Well, I just made myself,
1: Jeannie. That's what's great. I mean, somehow the generations kept coming. And, I mean, now I'm in a total revival. I realized, you know, when you do something good, give it 30 years... And if it was really good and really timeless, I swear, after 30 years, it'll come back. And I've seen it come back, my look through other stores and designers. And now, and so I thought, why don't I come back again the way I was? So it's so fun for me, Jeannie, because it's not like I have to connect with fashion, whatever that is. Like, I, I think fashion is, I want to be comfortable, leave me alone. <laughs>
0: So as you're saying, Betsy, it's almost as though you've had a kind of renaissance then in, in uh, recent times so that you've seen it that way. And I guess living in California has probably really added to this great feeling of rebirth and rediscovery. Well, it's added
1: to being warmer instead <laughs> of colder. I never liked California. I'm, I'm to this minute scared of earthquakes tsunami floods from there the fires from up there but then I realized I was pretty scared in New York too Mm -hmm. with the skyscrapers and the lack of air and the congestion and now I'm really glad I'm out of New York because I I think it's a very close pocket of claustrophobic scared people who's ever going back to work but um I lost my girl when we sold the company. It took like two or three years for me to get used to corporate working and for corporate to get used to me. And I would say, though, in the last three years, they are starting to really get me mm-hmm. and kind of let me be and fly. And that's when I do best. Yeah. You know, I've turned around weird situations into friendships and you, you have to learn how to do corporate i think i had never i'd been the boss with my name and the label i did do whatever you you want to do betsy but remember it has to sell and i was lucky to know how to do that i just i don't know i needed to change the whole family needed to change
0: mm-hmm.
1: so here we are
0: Every great conversation needs a pause, so this is the perfect time to talk to you about our sponsor, TSC, who, without their support, this podcast wouldn't be possible. Now, as you might know, I've covered the catwalks of Paris, Milan, New York, and London. And so you might ask, why have I partnered with a retailer like TSC, today's shopping choice? Well, I believe great fashion should be accessible to everyone. TSC.ca is home to some amazing designers, wonderful Canadians like Brian Bailey, Kim Newport-Mimran of Pink Tartan fame, and Hilary McMillan, as well as quality brands like Lamarck and Ron White Shoes. It's one-stop shopping for everything you need to make your own style statement. And of course, TSC offers so much more than mere fashion. Shop TSC.ca and discover some great brands at some great prices. Talk to me about um, about how you've survived in a business that what that we know can be very cutthroat, very fickle, very filled with mean people. Sometimes, you know, I mean, it's a, a business that's consumed with. Um, image, that a, a business that sometimes eats its young, yet you've managed to hold on to yourself and be you know so you?
1: you know how? I guess this is no good for a podcast because you can't see what I'm doing. I just can't put blinders on. I lived on the Bowery in New York for a few years. I never noticed a homeless person or I just was it's got its downside and upside but I would just have to block out any kind of negativity any kind of rotten apple in the kit. you know I just I just had to protect myself I think so I didn't like the horses in Central Park I didn't I couldn't let what was going on around me bother me too much, or I might give up. Um, and that's why being kind of independent, starting off with my own retail operation, was kind of protecting me, because nobody would buy me. I mean, we, we invested all together, we put 100,000, the bank believed in me so much, Franklin National Bank, Believed in me so much, they matched the investment. So we went into business with two hundred thousand. All my leotard, asymmetrical, diagonal striped, um, katsu gloves, the whole punk rock and roll '80s thing, and nobody would buy us. We opened with, you know, a, a regular collection did our little fashion show down the street at St. Clement's Church, and nobody bought us. Bloomingdale's, Macy's, I mean, we were out of business and out of 200,000 as quickly as we went into it. And then, you know Elio Fiorucci, of course, you know Elio Il- He had that fabulous store on 59th Street, across and around the corner from Bloomingdale's. And he just said, I want all of it in the store. If we sell it, we sell it. You take money, I'll take money. And he kept me going like that. Wow. For at least two years. And then Macy's picked me up. Yeah. And then Bloomingdale's. And then other stores that we really wanted to sell started to come around because Fiorucci was the only place. Unbelievable. Hot, clothes, hot people all-inclusive kind of people. Yeah. Just remember Antonio, the illustrator, Antonio Lopez.
0: Of course, Antonio Lopez. Yes, legendary. Bill Cunningham.
1: (laughs) They all were up at Carnegie Hall, living in the Carnegie Hall. I mean, what memories? If you ask me my favorite zone, it was the 60s, though. Yeah.
0: The fact is that you held on to your vision with such tenacity. There was never... You know, as much as like you say, sometimes it it maybe wasn't selling and some but you were determined to keep going with the way you saw the world. Chantal and I really
1: loved having our company. Privately owned, we could do it. There were no bosses. And I, Chantal and I, we never had a boss. We were equal. And I think I don't know the structure of it in the beginning from being equal partners. Having knowing that we had to carve out our little private Idaho, um, we just had no idea if there were, were any customers for the work. If we would get, but oh, but the eighty, I we had customers. All of a sudden, girls came out of the sidewalk cracks. I mean, it was amazing. We were we were right in that time. We were right with the right stuff at the right price. And do you know when I meet my true blue fans who go from my age down to I don't know when I closed my stores I didn't get true blue new fans because my stuff wasn't good but do you know when I run into these girls they still want to explain their prom dress to me and they still have it in their drawer or closet and they and I said I don't care did you have a good time in your prom dress and they said (laughs) every time I wore your clothes. I had, I met my husband, I met my boyfriend, I got married in it, my bridesmaids wore it. So I have that weird love that obviously I need from my people. I'm better with strange love and thank you and acceptance from a lot, a lot of people. And maybe I have four friends. You know what I mean? I need it more from this world that's just lived in what I was living and still am living. And it's amazing to me how I threw everything away. Why did I have the yard sale? <laughs> Talk so to am about- on eBay all the time I'm on Poshmark trying <laughs> to find some of my old goodies and buy them back because Jeannie when I die and go to wherever the universe that big fashion show in the sky throw that fashion show which is a rock and roll show of anything and everything of mine uh, with champagne and one hour of a good time even if it's online who knows <laughs> but I know I'm I'm going to live quite, quite a while long.
0: Talk to me about because I know you are such a romantic, and I think one every time, every season, I ran into you backstage before we I talked know. about the clothes. You would always say to me, "Who are you seeing? Who are you dating? Do you have a boyfriend now?" What you were always like that was like the burning question for you, and of course for me, it was. I was always so interested in your romantic ups and downs. Well, business,
1: Jeannie. You know everything of the business business, but it's.
0: You really want
1: people you love to be happy. And I do think that comes, if you find that person, it comes from a person or a grandchild or a whatever. I think love is a little better than work. (laughs) (laughs) Even though, I mean, I'll always love my work. I would still, after three and a half husbands, (laughs) I would still love to fall in love and meet my soulmate, the, the right guy. But unfortunately Jeannie, because I've had these blinders on and all I loved and all I really cared about was Lulu and my work. And before Lulu, just my work. And
0: I never lasted with husbands.
1: I mean, because they, they couldn't hold up to my
0: work. That is a big problem with all kinds of women. I mean, women who have heavy-duty careers, it's very hard to find just the right partner that's going to support that and that you're going to be able to really jive with. Believe me, I've been through Uh-oh. my share of... <laughs> Imagine,
1: I remember and I know, and I'm so happy for you.
0: But it's at very- the end of the day... What I love about you, Betsy, and another of the millions of reasons that I'm inspired by you, is that you always have an open mind and an open heart. You are open to, like, you know, you say to me, I'd still like to find my, you know, that's what's so great. And you will, because it's all about timing in this crazy world. It's not like I want to be young. I'm not young. I
1: I, but I feel that if you're If you're happy, it shows. And as you get older, the wrinkles may come in and the chin may go crazy, but it's your happiness that keeps you happy and feeling like you look good. You know, it has to come from within. Although, I must say, in a couple weeks, I'm going to just have that (laughs) done. I've, because of photography, I've, I've been scared in my career that I don't look good enough. I'm not thin enough. I, I don't look like a fashion designer. it been my youthful attitude mm-hmm. and optimism, I think. After a while, you begin, it begins to sink in, Jeannie, and you know this is working for me and other people because I'm happy.
0: Yeah, truly but you need whatever to, but we all need a little help sometimes from outside sources to perk us up and you know especially when you're in front of the camera when you're in this business it's you're, you're a bit of a slave to it and you can't afford not to look good and be
1: sick i mean in any business you have to be healthy you know it takes a lot of stamina to do what you do what I do. It's, you gotta have a very positive mindset about it. And just, I just believe I'm 28 or maybe 38. And You're
0: I, doing great. You are doing great. And talk about, talk about heart. You've got the biggest one I know. Tell me why you think fashion is, still important in our lives I mean what role does it play for you or, or what what do you think That's it can- hard.
1: I think my what my stuff has always been about is giving the girl some kind of feeling some kind of perk some kind of comfort some kind of specialness and uniqueness and so I've always just believed that You got to put that thing on, and you got to feel better. It's not survival dressing. Nobody needs to buy any clothes. We can all get through on t-shirts and jeans. But what? Oh, I think the niche I carved out was my clothes would make girls feel special, feel pretty, or feel sexy, but feel special and give them some kind of entertainment from their clothing. And I think that's what fashion should be now use it as a creative outlet in these times which we need the creativity I wish I knew how to cook I'm decorating like crazy and I have my work and especially a lot of artwork but I think now more than ever we have to realize hey close our entertainment like Ella Play dress up, look like, look like from outer space character one day. The next day wear your oversized sweatshirt. The next day go to the beach in your no back bikini. I mean, (laughs) it's it's butt life right now. Um, So I I don't know. I think fashion is more based on comfort now. Comfortability with your body and comfort. Knowing how to be comfortable with what you have on with people because what you wear is huge in terms of what it tells about you. Totally. I mean, it, it, it's like reading, you can judge a book by its cover. I believe that the way people look s- says it all. I mean, that's why I love that CNN thing, it says, the mask it's not political just wear the mask you know it's just wear it just do it just decide to play dress up one day decide to look boring the next day decide you don't care the next day have fun going to the grocery store in your pajamas have fun looking like a wreck have fun getting yourself spruced up have fun because you have a date that you think you might like. Have fun because you you got to maybe find someone online because especially now when we're all so separate, yeah. um, I would say try and look pretty good if you're going online because you're being, well, that's a real teller of how important clothes are because now without running into people left and right, how we look is... Everything right now in terms of online, yeah, from, from the waist up. Anyway, <laughs> from the waist up, you know the boobs there are companies up. Companies that only do from the waist up, which is very clever because everybody knows about waist up. I mean, they were, you know what I mean. But um, yeah, fancy. I think, I'm, I hate to say, but I think it's nice to be taking a money break from fashion a la Europe, you know, all the fancy dance shows. I mean, we don't have high-class fashion to look up to, but we have online, we have magazines, we can get inspired, but it's not an overdrive where everybody is spending so much money. But my work seems to be happening for fall 21. And I just want to come up with that I want to be that place to go where you find happiness (laughs) in a dress. you You find something to entertain you, you know, so that you're using dressing as entertainment for you, just like decorating your house is entertainment for you and creative for you.
0: Yeah. You are nothing but a ray of sunshine and have been for so many years in my life and in the lives of so many people who just oh, love you, Betsy. And just you, you just keep going, girl. Because, uh, you know, I, I just I'm just you a happier too. person knowing that you're in the world and you've brought us so much joy. So thank you for oh, being. Thank you, Jeannie. Thanks for listening. New episodes of Beyond Style Matters will be coming at you each and every week. To see video versions of the podcasts, check out tsc.ca slash stylematters. Till next time, I'm Jeannie Becker.